Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But notice, I love what the Bible says. John, the beloved apostle, He says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, when Jesus comes in the clouds, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. We're going to have the same body that he has, for we shall see him as he is. Notice this, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Jesus purified you by the blood of Christ, but practically speaking, we have a part to play in that, don't we? We have a part to deny ourselves and to crucify those things that we know are wrong. everyone and welcome to this Tuesday's edition of Truth in Christ. James tells us that we should be patient and establish our hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Pastor Rob guides us through our great hope which is the soon return of our Lord and how it will affect this world. Today in this lesson we will be challenged to be ready for the miraculous event of Jesus gathering us to himself, along with the promise that we shall be like him. This is a promise from our Heavenly Father, and we know that he will fulfill every promise he gives. Let's join Pastor Rob. Our English word rapture comes from a Latin word, raptus, or um, rapio which means literally to be taking up violently, to be snatched up, to be snatched up, to be snatched up. Sort of like when you're fishing in Florida and you catch that nice grouper and you reach down with the net and you quickly snag him up out of there before a shark comes and gets it. <laughs> and that's what it's like. That, that grouper was raptured <laughs> into your boat, right? But, Let's talk about this. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to be uh, reading to you. Um, you know, you might want to just write these verses down, and I'm just going to read the passages just for the sake of time, because it's, uh, I want to make sure we get through this, because it's important. It's important that you know what you believe and why you believe it. And here it is. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Paul, speaking to the Thessalonians, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have died in Christ, already in the grave. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Notice the order. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. And there's our word, caught up. The Greek word is harpazo. It literally means to snatch up violently up off the earth. Harpazo, that's what it means, to be snatched up, to be caught up, together with him in the clouds. Notice, in the clouds. To meet him, the Lord, in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort that is. And see, if you're not a believer, that's going to scare you to death. To think that there's a moment coming. And the Bible says that there's nothing that needs to happen before that event occurs. There's nothing on the prophetic you know, time frame that needs to happen before that event occurs. And that is the rapture of the church. That is when Jesus finally takes possession of what he purchased, what he put the earnest of, the Holy Spirit in you the day you were born again. He's like, you belong to me and I'm taking you up. I'm taking you, harpazo. I'm going to take you up. Now, when you look at this word harpazo... Um, I said what it meant, but here's where our word rapture comes from, because you're thinking, where does the word rapture come from? Well, in the 4th century, there was a, a, a version of the Bible that came about. It was the Latin Vulgate. Basically, it was the Old and the New Testament, which were the Old Testament written in Greek, the New Testament, I'm sorry, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek and Aramaic. But it was translated into Latin. And this very verse in Latin when we get to that word where it says caught up, the word in Latin is raptus or rapio, to snatch up violently off the earth. And that's where we get our word rapture. So you're not going to find the word rapture in the Bible. The concept is all over the place. The truth of it is everywhere, but you'll never find the word. But I want you to go now um, to John 14, and I'm just going to start reading it. Um, Jesus, on the night he was wrongfully arrested, and just hours before his crucifixion there in the upper room, he said this to his disciples. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, he says. Receive you unto myself, that where I am, and where is Jesus right now? He died, he was, he was, he was crucified, he, on the third day he rose again. For 40 days he was on the earth, and then right in front of his disciples on the Mount of Olives, he ascended into heaven, he's been there ever since, preparing a place for you and I, praying for us, interceding on our behalf. So Jesus says that where I am, you may be also, and Jesus is in heaven. Right now, there's a man with scars in his side and in his hands and feet in heaven. For eternity, we will see him. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, I'm so glad for Thomas, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And John 14, verse 6, one of our favorite verses, Jesus said to him, I am the only way. I am the only truth, I am the only life, and no man comes unto the Father except through me. 
Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might also be. I'm going to come and receive you unto myself. He's in heaven. He's going to reach down. He's going to the trumpet of God, and he's going to say, come up here, and we are all going to come up. Those who are born again, those who have died in Christ in faith, are going to rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, don't believe me, let me read it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verse 50. Paul, again, speaking to the Corinthians, and this is to encourage you, that what we believe is not some fairy tale, it's not some fiction. I'll be honest with you, when I read this, I think of Star Trek sometimes. Beam me up, Scotty. Right? Let me tell you, long before Star Wars or Star Trek was in the thought of any human being, God had already designed he says, well, that's easy for me. We still don't have that technology to beam people's places. But God's like, it's no problem for me. <laughs> Your technology is nothing. I'm Almighty God. I spoke all things into existence. When there was nothing, out of nothing I spoke and something came about. That is an awesome God. That's the God we serve. Amen? Amen. And that's what I love about our Lord. But notice... 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read this very carefully because this is truth, folks. You can bank on this truth. He says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, this flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit corruption. We are all born in sin, the Bible says. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. There's coming a time when not everybody on the earth is going to die. But we shall all be changed. Notice, in a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen just like that, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. They will be raptured. They will be reunited with this body that is celestial, no longer physical. Remember when Jesus was in in the upper room, and and Thomas was like, I'm having a hard time believing this. And Jesus says, well, uh, touch and handle me and see. And this is after his resurrection. He says, I'm not a ghost. I'm flesh and bone. He didn't mention blood. He said, I'm flesh and bone. Jesus could appear and disappear in an instant. That same body we believe, that's what we're going to have. It's a celestial body that can pass through things, can be here one minute and, and not in another. He says, we are all going to be changed. This corruption is going to put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. In verse 54, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And here he's quoting from Hosea. He says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? You know, people can kill the body. The devil can even inspire someone to walk into a school with a gun and kill children. But you know what? Many of those children are going to go to heaven because they haven't even, haven't even been aware of their knowledge of, of good and evil, many of those young ones. But you cannot take the salvation away. You can kill the body, but fear him rather who can not only kill the body, but can also send a soul to hell. See, God can do all of that. He can allow all of that. But he loves people. And it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance, right? 
He says, death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's a really good book that I'd like to recommend to you, and it's called The End by Mark Hitchcock. And you remember when Pastor Jeff was here, he recommended this book. And this is a fantastic book. And it goes into, in layman's terms, too. It's not a real technical book. It's just, it's simple enough I can read it. And, and it's a, a, complete, a complete overview of Bible prophecy and the end of days. And every topic concerning what the Bible has to say is in there. And it's laid out very clearly. And so I'd encourage you to consider that because it's a fantastic book. In fact, in the book... Mark Hitchcock said this about Harold Wilmington. Harold Wilmington was a, another pastor. And he gives us characteristic or characterization of the, what the rapture is. He says, Imagine that you have an old box in the attic that contains some nails, some screws, and bolts that you need. But since the box sat in the attic for a long time and it's filled with dust, paper, and splinters of wood, the quickest, easiest way to retrieve the things you want and leave the unwanted stuff behind would be to hold a powerful magnet over the box. And with the magnet situated over the box, everything in the box with the same properties as the magnet would immediately fly up to the box and attach to the magnet. Everything else would be left behind. And see, when we are born again of the Spirit of God, the very nature of God is within you. And when he comes in the clouds, as we have just read, he is going to say, come up here, and we are going to be retrieved to him. And the dead in Christ will receive their new body. It doesn't matter if you were buried or whether you were cremated. It doesn't matter whether your ashes were spread on the ocean and no one can make account of where they're at. God knows your DNA. And it's very easy for him to say, I'm taking that DNA and I'm giving it a body. A body that will last for eternity. Eternity. No longer sick. No longer will you feel sorrow or pain. A body that's outfitted for God for eternity. Isn't that encouraging? I, I can't wait for that day. You know, I look around and I see so many people struggling and, and having diagnosis of cancer. I just found out that when one of my cousins was just diagnosed with multiple myeloma. So many people, even in our body here, who have been afflicted with these things. Aren't you glad that your upgrade is coming? <laughs> and it's an upgrade that Jesus paid for. And he loves you. And I love that. But notice, I love what the Bible says. John, the beloved apostle, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, when Jesus comes in the clouds, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. We're going to have the same body that he has. For we shall see him as he is. Notice this. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Jesus purified you by the blood of Christ, but practically speaking, we have a part to play in that, don't we? We have a part to deny ourselves and to crucify those things that we know are wrong. If there's anyone here that is still flirting with adultery, you need to turn from that, right? We all need to do that. Even in our mind, Jesus said it's not so much the physical act, although that's wrong too, but even the the thought of, of, of being with another person opposite of your spouse is adultery. Fornication, lying and stealing, 
So many of these things, every single one of us are guilty of, but thanks be to God that our sins have been forgiven if we are in Christ. We no longer have to um, make a sacrifice like the Jews did. All of that was foreshadowing for the one Lamb of God who would take away the sin for everyone who believes, but you have to be a Christian. Jesus said you must be born again. There's no other way to reach the Father. No amount of good works is going to save you. There are many people who are in hell today that are very good people. Excellent moral character. Gave a lot of their money to the church. Helped the elderly women, elderly women across the street. Painted the house of an elderly person, of a Vietnam veteran who was in a wheelchair. Did all these good works, and they're going to stand before Jesus, and Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. Because you don't know my son. He is the only salvation. That's what his name means. Jesus is God's salvation. Jehovah Shua, God's salvation. There's no other way to heaven but through Christ. No other way. All roads do lead to God. (laughs) And what I mean by that is everyone will stand before him, but only those who are born-again believers in Christ, he is going to let admittance into his kingdom. And those who are not, he will have to say, I don't know you. And do you think God delights in that? He does not. He does not. The Bible says he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. Judgment is his strange work. It's not something he desires to do. But he gives a human being their choice. And love always is a choice. I can choose to love my wife, or I can choose to not love my wife. It's a choice. It's a choice. And they're going to be mockers. They've been mocking for centuries. In 2 Peter chapter 3, notice what he says. He says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. We live in those days, walking according to their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, in other words, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, King David, Since they've all fallen asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. It's never going to happen, they say. Everyone's been thinking of that. It's true. For over 1,900 years, we've been waiting for this event, but it's coming nonetheless. The Bible says that a thousand years is with the Lord as one day, and one day is as a thousand years. So it makes no difference to him. We're only in the second day since Christ died on the cross. I'm going to leave this up on the screen here for a while. And this is a a graphic timeline. And um, the things that I've marked out in red here are the important parts. We've been talking about the rapture. That's the very first one. You'll notice that right here uh, up on the screen, this is when Jesus came to the earth. Here is when Jesus died on the cross and then his resurrection. In fact, from Jesus' birth all the way to the end of time in this This earth is dissolved with fervent heat. A new heavens and a new earth are created. Everything is on this timeline in in small form. Okay, it's all it's much of it is here. Jesus dying on the cross, his resurrection. The church age is in this area here. 1948, Israel is established. And we've been living now and we're waiting for the rapture of the church. And the Bible has a lot to say about this stuff. This is not some pipe dream. This is reality. More real than the chair you're sitting on. These things. And then we also know that in Revelation it has a lot to say about this seven-year period we know as the Great Tribulation. And the church is going to be raptured 
to heaven to meet the Lord in the air while all hell is going to break loose on this earth for about three and a half years. That last three and a half years are going to be so bad. Jesus said, if I didn't return at the end of it right here, if I didn't return to the earth, no flesh would survive it because it would be so horrible. And we know about these things. We read about them. Revelations chapter 6 through 19 details it in graphic detail. It's a horrible time coming upon the earth. Things aren't going to get better for the world. But for you and I, Christian, we've got a great joy. The Bible says that he has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't need to bring us through this great tribulation period that the Bible talks about, which is the wrath of God upon a world that has rejected him. We'll never see that wrath because he has paid the, the price for our wrath. On the cross, Jesus paid the price once and for all. That's why when we sin, we can confess it. We confess it to him. And what does the Bible say? He is faithful and just to not only forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's right there in First John chapter 1. But let's talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. We've talked about the rapture, this part right here that we're looking at right here. But there's also coming a time when we are in glory with the Lord. We are going to come back at a certain time. And no man knows this day or the hour. We don't even know when Jesus is going to come. He could come before the rapture of the church could happen before this service is over today. And I hope it does. I do and I don't. (laughs) I do because I want to be with him. But there's a part of me that doesn't because I've got friends and family that don't know him. The Lord gave me time to come to him. And he's got, he's very patient. He's very gracious. You know, I think of my mother, my brother, my sister, and others in my family. And I'm just like, Lord, please get a hold of them. He loves them just as much as he loves you and I. But, you know, even in the Old Testament, the Old Testament's filled with this second coming. When Jesus comes back the second time, it is not going to be a pretty picture for the world. When we are raptured, we're going to meet him in the air. But when he comes back in the second coming, he's going to come down physically to the earth. And in Zechariah chapter 14, let me read it to you. And this is the Old Testament. It says this, Zechariah chapter 4. We're just going to look at the first five verses. He says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. This is yet coming. The Bible has a lot to say about these things. They're going to come against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half of the city will go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. All of this is detailed in Revelation for us and in other parts of the Bible. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, a physical return to the earth. On a physical Mount of Olives, I've stood on the Temple Mount myself, and I've looked at the Mount of Olives. That mountain is going to be the one that not only he ascended from when he ascended, but he's coming back in that same place. And notice what it says. The Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, half of it toward the south. And then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azel. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. All the saints. Those who are within, with, with him in glory are going to come back. 
Let's read it. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 29. Let me read it to you. You can just write the verse down and look at it later. He says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, he's talking about this great tribulation period, this seven-year period of all-out hell on earth. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.